The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, president at Lola Red, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now, please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Ritan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up from Engage Mom, I was reading this article by Donna Sabino. She's the Senior VP of Ipsos Kids and Family Center of Excellence. And they just unveiled a family family study that I thought was fascinating. You know, we always talk about the impact of moms on kids, but this is actually showing that dads are having a huge impact, especially when it comes to digital landscape with their children. This was um, a study of behavioral and attitudinal parental kind of attitudes, both from a media and technology standpoint with kids ages 0 to 12 in the home. And what they found out was that dads are spending more time online with their kids than moms are doing. So that dad spends about five hours, moms are spending about four hours. This is, of course, very pronounced with millennials, as you would expect, um, mainly because dads are more likely than moms to watch online videos with their kids. And they say they're extremely engaged when watching online videos with their children, and these would include cartoons and sports and video games. Um, And they're saying, you know what, we're enjoying sharing apps with our kids too, and they do that two more hours per week than moms. So what's interesting is apparently dads grew up more with video gaming, and so they're a little bit more comfortable than, say, moms are with pursuing digital leisure time types of activities. Also, convenience plays a role, according to these researchers. And dads are saying that they love laughing with their kids, learning about and listening to the things that videos kind of bring forth. Um, And they feel like it's just time really well spent, whereas moms are feeling a little bit more hesitant about spending that extra screen time. So very interesting if you're a marketer, you might want to keep that in mind that you're able to intersect dad online through digital videos and especially when they're with their children. So there's a little bit of that over-the-shoulder marketing opportunity with dads and their kids. Well, our first profile today, ironically, is the alpha mom. So she would be the reverse, I think, of the digital dad. She's a Gen Y target, just like the digital dad is. Um, 1.6 million of these women out there, college grads, employed full-time with kids, of course, in the home. Uh, These are women that like to keep up with fashion. They see themselves as trendsetters. They're confident ambitious and motivated, they live in the moment, they like change and novelty, and they value quality. At retail, they're buying at Neiman Marcus and Ikea, Williams-Sonoma, Bloomingdale's are all top with them. Uh, They're driving Volvo, BMW, um, and Honda, and uh, they're intersecting uh, with the media like Wired, and first for women, Vogue. Uh, w, Better Homes and Gardens, InStyle and Time Magazine are all big. Uh, news outlets on cable are big also. CNN is a big one, as well as entertainment like TLC, HGTV, Style, and Bravo. Uh, and online, of course, you're going to see them all over the place. Netflix is a big one. Uh, Amazon is also big, as is eBay. 
Well, my guest today is is quite the author. Janet Burroway is the author of eight novels, plays, poetry essays, texts, and children's books. She is going to be featured at the Miami Book Fair. She's taking not one, but two of her latest books of five republished this year alone to that book fair. The first is a story larger than my own. Women writers look back on their lives and career. And the other is a memoir that came out in April called Losing Tim, a very personal and at times painful walk through her relationship with her son who took his life at the age of 40. I'm very excited to have Janet Burway on the show. We're going to speak with her about both books when we return in just a moment. Her strengths will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Women. Once again, here's Maria Ritan. Welcome back. My guest today is Janet Burroway. She's the author of eight novels, plays, poetry, essays, text for dance, and children's works. Quite a prolific writer. On top of that, she's an award winner. She was just awarded the Florida Humanities Council's 2014 Lifetime Achievement Award in Writing. And she is going to be featured at the Miami Book Fair coming up this November. Um, two books, actually, that she is going to be bringing to the book fair. Uh, Losing Tim, which is an, a memoir that just came out this April. She's actually going to be doing a reading from Lose, uh, Losing Tim Sunday, November 23rd at 10 a.m. And then she's also uh, going to be bringing the book she edited called A Story Larger Than My Own, Women Writers Look Back on Their Lives and Career. I'm thrilled to have Janet on the program today. Janet, welcome. My pleasure. Great to be here. 
Oh, it's great to have you, and congratulations. I know you got that award earlier this year, that Lifetime Achievement Award for writing from a Florida Hispanic. That is thrilling. I can only imagine. I mean, a Lifetime Achievement Award, and you're not that old, right? Oh, I am. I am. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we call it season today. And, and, yeah. and I want to... I want to mention about your connection to Florida as well, because I know you're living in Wisconsin, and people may say if they know you well, well, you know, what about Florida? You were on the faculty of the creative writing program at FSU, and in fact... From 1972 to 2002. That is a quite a career. <laughs> quite, quite a career. A long, a long time. I have- and as a... As a result, I know you've been awarded the Robert O. Lawton Distinguished Professor Emerita also. Yes. That also a lot is of a thrill. Yeah, all of it. Very, very good. <laughs> and I, I know that you are heading back to Florida uh, for the Miami Book Fair, so that's got to be exciting for you also. It is, it is exciting. We go back to Florida often, and in fact, we are just back a few days from the Tampa Bay Festival and the, uh, Tallahass- and a reading I did in Tallahassee at the old warehouse where readings have been held for Florida State's writing program for the last 20 years. My goodness. My goodness. Do you miss it? Do you miss FSU? I do. Um, I have to say that having grown up in Arizona, and spending 35 years altogether in Florida, I was done with wet heat, and I was ready to see some snow. So I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to be in Wisconsin, even in the winter. But, of course, I miss it. We were down at St. George Island last week, and the weather was stunningly beautiful. And it's just, you know, if you could live on the beach forever and also have Chicago 15 minutes away, then that would be just fine. <laughs> Wouldn't it, though? Wouldn't it? But unfortunately, neither you nor I are doing that right now because we're both up here in the great white north. (laughs) Well, I have to commend you. I mean, I said in the intro what a prolific writer you are, but this year alone, you have five books of yours, five coming out. Three of them had been published before, of course, but is that a record for you to see five of your books? Oh, absolutely. It's It's a total fluke. It's just a fluke. Uh, one of them was a reissue of the novel Raw Silk by Open Roads Media Online. Um, two of them were new editions of the textbooks, Writing Fiction and Imaginative Writing. And then it happened that both the publication of the memoir and the publication of the collection of essays that I edited came out at the same time, virtually the same day. Um, so all of that, that has never happened before. And I can tell you that from this, from this vantage point in front of the computer, I do not feel prolific. At all. <laughs> I feel as if I'm struggling. <laughs> well, isn't that the writer's quandary, though? I've yes. heard that, that writers yes. always feel like they're struggling. <laughs> it's, the, it's the next thing that you're dealing with. It's, yes. it's not the thing that's come out. Right. Well, you should take a moment and celebrate it for sure, especially at the Miami Book Fair. I want to talk first about that fifth book, which is the one you edited called A Story Larger Than My Own. Women writers look back on their lives and careers. And this is so interesting to me because it is a 
a collection of works of notable authors over age 60, and many of the names, I mean, listeners will know. It's Margaret Atwood, Erica Young, Jane Smiley. I mean, these are authors that are prolific themselves. Talk a little bit about how you got involved in this project. I think that partly it was, and this is connected to the other book we're going to talk about, Losing Tim. Um, mm-hmm. After my son died in 2004, my husband and I felt that we needed a major change in our lives. And we came back to Wisconsin because he has an enormous family here, and it's wonderful to be surrounded by laughing Hungarians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we did that, and I discovered that I could get to Chicago in an hour and a half on a little metro train and that I could therefore come in contact with um, playwriting groups at Chicago Dramatists and also at Theater Building Chicago. And I, I had long wanted to write a musical and to get back into playwriting, and so I started doing that. And then I realized that as a playwright, Though I'm best known as a writer of textbooks, not always my happiest thought, but reasonably well-known as a novelist, as a playwright, I'm as if I were 24 years old again, trying to break into a totally new set of people, set of rules, uh, a, a whole different world and community. And I felt myself um, an amateur again, which I was happy to be, but also that that there was a distance from what I had accomplished. And I started to think, there are women writers that must be at this crossroads, late in life, looking back over a career and seeing the changes and the what, what changed, what mattered, what stayed the same, how their ambition evolved over the, the course of their careers. And I thought, you know, we, we are always advising young writers how to begin, but we very rarely ask writers to take the long view over their careers. And so first I put together a, a panel for a, uh, an Associated Writing Programs convention, and five of us talked, uh, five of us over 60 talked about what our careers had been like. And then that was so popular, I did it again, and then I did it again. <laughs> and then I thought, <laughs> there's, there's a book here that people would be very interested in reading. And, uh, and so I asked some of those writers, or all of those writers who had taken part in the panels, and started writing other writers that I admired and whose stories I would like to hear. And what, what uh, didn't exactly surprise me, but... but was very rich and full, I thought, was that it happens that all of us started our careers in the 50s and the 1950s and 60s. And it was very different there, trying to break into the writing community uh, and into publishing than it is now. And the, the, the collection of essays, which are very different in form and in style and, and in content, nevertheless seem to tell a story of this generation of women writers, Um, a generation that really began before feminism had taken place and has evolved with feminism over this time. It's fascinating. Sorry, I was a little long-winded about that. No, not at all. I find it just fascinating because it is 
really brilliant grouping of writers. And to, they, to they make are brilliant writers. Brilliant, truly. And laying the groundwork for all the really wonderful writers to come, you know. Um, and there have been I feel so that. many. Yeah, that have followed in their pathway. Uh, so congratulations on that. Well, thank you. You know, when people spend some time with the book, what are you hoping that they glean from these women? What do you hope that they take away? I think the the consistent note that... Let me say that, that there is... Um, a consistent note of comedy uh, from this vantage point in how difficult it was beginning. How uh, there's a there's a story in Maxine Cumin's uh, essay about how the first time she had a poem accepted, I think it was by the Ladies Home Journal, but it may have been the Christian Science Monitor. Anyway, she was writing a little light verse, and one was accepted, and she had to get her husband's employer to write the company telling the, the, the publishing company, asserting that it was her original work. Mm. And that's, you know, it's, it's a kind of seminal experience of all of us trying to break into this male-dominated work. But what matters most to me through those essays is how persistent these writers have, have been in the face of, uh, first, of the avuncular sexism of the mm-hmm. profession, and later on, many different um, kinds of obstacles that were put in their path, uh, certainly bad reviews, against which, says Hilma Wolitzer, there is no recourse. <laughs> That's right. I kept You're going stuck. back to work. That's right. And, 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 and putting out another brilliant book. Go back to work. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was yeah. I was going to say, and putting out yet another brilliant book. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's the best revenge. Yep, it is, <laughs> and it's the only solace, and it's still the only solace. You know, for every the rejections always hurt, and there are always rejections. I think I think that young writers think, ah, oh, well, once you reach this pinnacle, everybody is looking for your stuff. But it's not true. Rejection keeps happening, right? Through your life, As, and, not, and not exactly through your life and all aspects of your life. Sadly, uh, not just your professional yeah. one. Sometimes, True. Um, Janet, we're going to take a quick break, and then I want to devote the rest of our conversation to your memoir, Losing Tim. Also going to be featured at the Miami Book Fair. So, everyone, stick around. More from Janet Burway in just a moment. Her strengths. We'll be right back after a word from our advertisers. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. 
Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Purse Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. Welcome back. I've been talking today with Janet Burroway, a prolific writer and award winner. She's been known for writing novels and plays and poetry and essays and text and children's books. I think Janet has written almost every genre. Uh, and she's also just been awarded the Florida Humanity Council's 2014 Lifetime Achievement Award in writing. Of course, she spent 35 years in Florida at FSU leading all kinds of writing there, and many, many students, I'm sure, out there in the world having benefited from Janet Burroway. And we've been talking about the book she's bringing forward at the Miami Book Fair coming up this November. Um, one of them is a story larger than my own. Women writers look back on their lives and career, and this is a collection of writers um, all over the age of 60, the names you'll know. So I'm going to encourage you to pick that up. And we were talking about that. But the one that I want to spend the remainder of my time speaking about is the memoir that came out in April called Losing Tim. And this is an extremely personal work. It's the memoir about the death of your son. Um, Talk, if you would, about how different it is for you to tackle something so incredibly personal and obviously quite painful. Yes. Well, it's it's interesting that people have said to me it must have been very hard to write this book, mm-hmm. which is not true. It was necessary to write. Um, I didn't, of course, think of it as a book at first after my husband's, sorry, <laughs> after my son's death. That was an odd slip. Yeah, um, we won't tell him he said that. <laughs> we won't tell him that. Um, my son went. It, it, my son was someone who, from toddlerhood, was enamored of the toys of war, and uh, always admired the army, and uh, spoke of himself as having a warrior spirit. My first husband and I, Tim's father and I, did not know where this came from and still don't know. Um, But Tim never lost his uh, delight in warfare and his willingness to go to war for his country. So he was 
three years in ROTC and four years in the Army and eight years in the Reserve. And in the Reserve, he volunteered for everything that he could see and learned in his last job uh, in the Army a project in demining in Namibia, in South Africa, uh, Southern Africa. And um, the Army privatized that job after he had been in it one year, which left him with the choice of going with the company who was taking over the contract or staying in the Army and going on to something else. He chose to stay with the demining project and uh, and did worked in Namibia with that and then in Ethiopia, married, had a daughter. And then in 2003, the company gave him uh, an option between going back to Washington and uh, having a desk job and going to Iraq to lead a team uh, training Iraqis in demining. He went ecstatically to Iraq, believing in the war, believing that they would find WMDs and so forth. He came back bitterly disillusioned, and two months after he rejoined his family, he took his own life. Um, When I learned of this, uh, of course it was the greatest shock I have ever had to face in my life, but Within um, a couple of weeks of his death, I found myself driven to the computer to flash down everything I was feeling um, in a journal. And um, I won't go into detail about that, but I I did start um, the necessary making of order that writing represents for me. And... uh, after a couple of years of writing all the memories I had of Tim and what I was feeling every day, I began to see that, like the books that had helped me, I could possibly form these thoughts into a book that would help other people. And mm-hmm. that's what I hope it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I know I had read that you're hoping that others who have had to go through those dark days after that sudden shocking loss of a loved one is a way that you can really give back with that book. How are you getting the... Yeah, go ahead. It is astonishing how many people have some close relative who has either by suicide or sudden illness uh, been a loss to them. Mm -hmm. Are you working to get the book into those hands? I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, clearly... Yes. You're speaking about it. The Miami Book Four uh, Fair will will shine a huge spotlight on the book. But why? By what other means are you trying to get that book into the hands of people who so could use it? You know, my my publisher has been absolutely fantastic about that. It's a little activist publisher in Minneapolis, Think Peace, and they have um, contacted. Uh, survivor, suicide survivor groups and grief groups and Wounded Warrior Project, uh, the parents of uh, military children, um, the parents of suicides from the military, and they've just, just been extremely active, mostly online, but also by sending me around um, on tour with the book to speak to these groups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Well, in all of it, I'm sure we'll have a cumulative effect of getting those books in the hands of people. And I know it's not just Tim the soldier that you want to shine the spotlight on. I mean, Tim, of course, was a son, a husband, a father. Talk a little bit about those aspects of Tim. Well, um, let's see. For for me as a parent, it it was um, the most striking thing about his life was this inexplicable love of the of the warrior spirit. And his uh, all through his teenage years, he and I understood that we had different worldviews. And that our task as mother and son was to love each other in spite of those different worldviews. We were very specific about that. We talked about the fact that that's what we had to do. And we also congratulated ourselves on being pretty good at it. At one point, Tim was generous enough to say to me, it's a good thing it's you who's the liberal mom because if I was the parent, I wouldn't have let you be you the way you'd let me be me. Oh. <laughs> it was, you know, that was that was a very generous thing for a maybe 19-year-old son to say. Um, I think that in some ways, Tim was always torn between a love of family, which was very strong in him, and uh, a love of the army, and that those two things were at odds, as often a career is at odds with the demands of family, you know? Mm. But the army is particularly hard because of the long absences and the, the danger of the work and the difficulty of the work. When he was at work in Namibia, the first job he did in demining, he met there Birgit Kurtzi, who was um, a third-generation colonial in what had started as Southwest German Africa. This is a, a piece of African history that I certainly didn't know before before he went there. But um, she had an eight-year-old son. Uh, once they married... He was Tim's son, and he wouldn't let anybody refer to him as his stepson. That was part of his um, extreme passion for family and for, when it translated into army fare, the band of brothers. So I think there was a strong connection between his love of family and his love of army, which were nevertheless at odds. Mm-hmm. Of course, Birgit didn't want him to go to Iraq, mm-hmm. but they made a pact that right. he would go there for one tour, and when he was done, he would go to Washington. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, and talking about passion, clearly Tim was a very passionate man. Your passion, of course, is seen through your works of art, um, and you've taken that passion to playwriting. You were talking about that earlier, that you feel like a, what, a 24-year-old again trying to break yeah. into the world of playwriting, which must be a marvelous thing, you know. And I know you are working on a plane based on losing Tim. Share more about that effort. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. Uh, this I could not have predicted, but I worked for a very long time on the memoir. Really, it took me eight years to turn those journal entries into a viable book. And uh, and I felt that having come as close to the bone as I could with my truth, Tim, 
conscious that it's not his story as he would have told it. It's my story of Tim. Uh, well, and when do you about that as, a, as you can, right? Janet, when do you think that that play will come to fruition? What What's your goal um, here? There is a full draft now, and I'm going to have the first reading of it at Chicago Dramatists the next Monday night. So um, okay. it, it it's, it's also impossible to tell how long it will take to get it right, how many drafts it will take, but it's, uh, it, it's in the works. What was surprising about it was that I felt freed of the facts by the memoir, so it's very, very different. But also things came out in the writing of a play that never came out in real life, and that was very interesting to me. The family dynamic is very different in the play from the way it played out in real life. Why do you think that is? It's partly the form itself. It's partly that the form demands a level of conflict that is intense and uh, present in this moment. Um, I suppose someone would say that there were things I had not faced that I could face in this form that I couldn't face in another. Um, apart from that, I don't know. <laughs> it, it was all surprising. The characters are different than the real-life characters, but based on them. And when they started talking, they said things that surprised me. Mm-hmm. Well, characters do, I hear, have a life of their own. So it yes. sounds like yes, yours definitely came to life in maybe a different way. <laughs> Janet, I, I wish you the best of luck with that play. I know you've had marvelous reception to Losing Tim since it came out in April, and I'm sure the Miami Book Fair will be another wonderful opportunity to share that book along with the other one that we were talking about, A Story Larger Than My Own. I do want to remind everyone, if you have the opportunity to attend the Miami Book Fair, you definitely want to catch Janet's reading from Losing Tim. That's going to be on Sunday, November 23rd at 10 a.m. And, of course, Janet will be on Writer's Row as well, signing her books. Janet, thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you, Maria. And I do encourage everyone to learn more about Janet. If you if you haven't read any of her books, um, check out her site at JanetBurroway.com. And thanks to my producer, George. Join me right here next week for another edition of Purse Strings at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.